From the Not A Foodie studio, which is not actually a studio, it's a series of Zoom calls across, I don't know, time and space, Mike. It's the Not A Foodie show. I'm Tom Miele, your co-host, along with Mike Moranti. Hey, Mike. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm in the Hell's Kitchen Indian restaurant prepping for Smorgasburg for Saturday. For your Mikey Pomodoro empire. Yeah, we sold out this weekend on saturday that's all yeah, saturday I, it was a beautiful day in new york and i stopped by smorgasburg to say what's up and it was awesome dude it was it, like your food was awesome and i've had i've had the food but i haven't had it since the initial the original pop-up i guess yeah, in forest in hills and just watching it progress has been awesome it's been it's been really good so what what's your like best seller uh probably the mozzarella and carrozza yeah I mean, well, that's it's Instagram friendly, first of all. <laughs> yeah, Smorgasburg is still very like Instagram forward, and uh, it's just super cheesy. And now I have the meme of myself. Are you, wait, are you saying bowl. that Smorgasburg is super cheesy, or that your mozzarella and carrozza is super Both, cheesy? <laughs> I think. Yeah, I mean, my my daughter loved it. I put it up on my Instagram, a picture of her doing doing the cheese pull, and immediately she knew what a cheese pull was because she's you know. TikTok generation, so that was she. She loved it, um, and I think I think when people see other folks doing that at Smorgasburg, they come right over and grab it. Yeah, no, and it's just like a really um, nice day. Sorry, like, go it's ahead. a nice place to go to. Like even besides my food, it's just a really good time. Yeah, we had a blast. We had a whole bunch of stuff. We did some of the yakitori, which you know, on your um, on your recommendation, um, mm-hmm. which was delicious. And then, of course, all of the the crazy fried shit that, like, you know, my kids wanted. So we got, like, the Korean hot dogs, which is basically just... Oh, they're, op- they're opening in... Yeah, Tarso. there's one opening up in my neighborhood. I know. I'm, I'm excited for it, but I'm also, like, a little terrified because that is definitely not a place that I can go for, like, a meal. It's more of, like, a... I don't know. We're watching football and we're getting some appetizers because that is, like, super unhealthy. <laughs> Super unhealthy. It's just giant cheese on a stick fried and then covered in sugar and then with some like sweet and spicy sauce like layered on top. And there's a hot dog in the middle of all that. We didn't get the one with the hot dog. We I think there was oh. a, there was a miscommunication when we ordered. Ours was just a giant cheese stick. Um, but there's ones with hot dogs. There's one with like potatoes on the outside. So they like batter. So it's a hot dog wrapped in mozzarella, battered and rolled in like potatoes and then fried and then covered it like in sugar. The sugar part was weird. It worked though. Yeah. You, you can't do more than one of those yeah. for a long time. What's your favorite thing at Smorgasburg to, to eat? Like, I know you're working there a lot. So do you get I, to eat? I, a little bit towards the end, we'll like switch things with people. We'll trade. Mm-hmm. Um, everything I've had so far is good. There's probably about like 40 vendors. I probably only had stuff from like four or five of them. Um, I'm right next to Thai Bird and they're, they're awesome. They do these uh, Thai fried chicken mm-hmm. inside of a cord out pineapple with pieces of pineapple and then uh, 
like a Thai chili sauce on top. I, I, that looks delicious, but the thing that struck yeah. me about it was it was completely Instagram friendly. Like I saw, you mm-hmm. see someone walking around with a giant bowl of fried chicken, and the bowl is made out no. of a pineapple. And you're like, oh my god, what, where'd you get that? And Tom, yeah, when I went there to check everything out to scope everything out, like a week or two before we started. Mm-hmm. Somebody was walking around with that and somebody else stopped them and said, excuse me, sir, where did you get that? And that's the only time I've seen that at Smorgasburg. Yeah. I mean, that's I forget where I where I read it, but it was it might have been in in like an old food book. I think it was the the prune um, blood bones and butter book um, where they talked about one of their dishes. And I think it's like the smoked almonds or something like that. And when you see this dish come to the table and they all of a sudden take off the the little glass sort of top of it and smoke mm-hmm. comes out and it it smells like the smell goes throughout the whole restaurant. Like that dish was created so that other people order it. People see it at the restaurant and then other people order it. Absolutely. It's like the, the sizzling fajita. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I mean that's 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 good marketing, and then you extend that over social media, and it's just completely mm-hmm. Instagrammable, and everybody loves it. But anyway, I thought Smorgasburg was awesome. Um, you guys are killing it. Uh, how long are you are are you there? It ends October thirtieth. Okay. So we have four more weekends at Smorgasburg. So did you like? I was just gonna say, so everybody needs to go check oh. it out now. Yeah. Cool. Uh, it, and we're only getting better every week. This week was so easy compared to the first week, and we did so much more. I, I, I mean, and you could tell that you've got it down to a science. You know, you're you're setting up a restaurant. You. You're setting up a restaurant every morning, and mm-hmm. it, you guys are are rocking it. So it's good. Did you like the colatura? I did. I, I have a story about Colatora. So Colatora, for for anyone that doesn't know, Colatora Dialici. It's it's basically. I mean, the translation is like what, like sardine drippings or um, anchovy drippings. Anchovy, yeah. And this is something that I've been fascinated with. I think I had it once in Italy somewhere, and I started doing research on fermentation. And so basically, what it is, it's just fermented anchovies, and you take the drippings and you make it into like a sauce, and they ferment them in like, you know, with specific anchovies from a specific part of Italy, and only certain anchovies from certain times of month, uh, for certain times of the year, you can do this, and I I remember like maybe five years ago, I turned to Kristen because I was reading about it, and I was like, I'm going to do this next, and she's like, fuck you, there's no way you're like, <laughs> you're going to take rotting fish and put them in our basement and you know to try to make like an italian fish sauce um so i want to thank <laughs> you I yes <laughs> i want to thank you mike moranti um for for picking me up some from your through your food distributor it actually it contributed to a weekend of crazy meals um i i had a crazy meal weekend but yeah go ahead a little goes a long way with oh it, totally right? i would assume totally yeah i mean we made it it's uh, it's a it's a tangier less salty more umami way of adding anchovy like flavor to your dish so we made a version of like a caesar salad dressing with it that my kids absolutely loved 
And you think, oh, it's like, you know, rotting fermented anchovies that are turned into a sauce. My kids loved it. They thought it was like the greatest thing in the world, just dressed with like a Caesar salad. So I'm excited to do a lot of things with it. I want to do, I would drizzle it on top of a puttanesca. I would. Yeah, I think it would make a puttanesca go crazy. I was thinking of like a St. Joseph's Day pasta. St. Joseph's Day is always like a very simple pasta. It's usually like oil, a little bit of anchovies and breadcrumbs on on St. Joseph noodles, which are like thick spaghetti kind of noodles. I would I would absolutely drizzle some of that on top of it. I think I think it would be good. So I, I if you uh listeners out there can get your hands on some uh Colatora di Alici, go go do it. It's really cool. And again, Mike, that that's we we have a tendency to gift each other cool things once in a while. Good shit. And this was like I completely unexpected. This was awesome. So I thank you. I'm I'm grateful. I, I was texting Tom, I was like let me know what weekend you're coming. No, no stress for whatever weekend it is. I just have something I want to give you and I don't want to like slap it back and forth. So like just whatever you're, and then it was literally right there waiting for you. It, you said hi. And then it was, I know, I know it, I was like, I want to open it, but I'm not going to open it here. <laughs> I mentioned that this weekend was a crazy weekend for, um, for cooking for me. And I have to tell you that I got, the greatest compliment that I've ever gotten on social media for anything that I've ever posted. Yeah. So two of the greatest compliments, actually. I, I made on Friday night. You know what Friday night is. Friday night is steak night. Steak night, ribeye night. Shout out Mitch. Yep. Went to Mitch. And, you know, Mitch's nephew, Pete, is sort of slowly taking over the business. Mm-hmm. He's uh, a really good dude. He is. He is. So, uh, so I went over there and I think I got a Pete. I don't think I got a Mitch. I think I got a Pete this week. And... I got a ribeye and I made it on. So I've got a flat top on top of my um, my grill that I use to sear. So I basically seared the steak and halfway through my gas ran out on my grill. So I was like, fuck. All right. So I went back inside and stunk up the house like frying and searing a ribeye in a in a carbon steel pan and then basting it and doing going through the whole process of getting everything like you know perfectly crispy on the outside and perfectly medium rare on the inside and then not knowing you were going to give me an anchovy sauce i made an anchovy caper garlic butter um and put it on top of the steak and and it was phenomenal and i've done this a bunch of times i guess i've never put it on instagram before but it struck a chord People like people loved it, right? So anyway, tooting my own horn. Here we go. I got two of the greatest compliments in the world. One of them was from a buddy of mine uh, that I went to high school with that lives in California that I haven't seen in years, probably you know since a few years after graduation or after college, maybe. Um, and he said that he's like suffering from loss of smell and loss of taste from COVID, from like long oh. COVID. And he is a steak guy, and he is like. He's like, I just want to thank you for posting this. He's like, it made me cry. It gives me something to look forward to to get when I'm getting better. Hopefully my taste comes back because this is like the perfect steak. <laughs> so I thought that was awesome. Then I got another text from someone in my someone in the neighborhood who I know. And she texted. She's like, I'm not even kidding. I had a dream about your anchovy caper steak two nights ago. <laughs> I've been thinking about it all weekend. 
finally, at four o'clock, I made my husband run out to the butcher to go buy me a ribeye and grill it on the Kamado grill. And she's like, I didn't use the anchovy sauce. You have to send me the recipe. So so there we go. My, my steak is um, giving people hope as they battle long COVID and giving people dreams and making them buy more steaks. So what that's else can all we you ask, can ask for? for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, did you, what did you cook this weekend? Bro, I cook. 20 pounds of chicken parm and meatballs on Saturday, and then Sunday I order it. I was just going to – I mean, I was sort of like – I was laughing when I said it. <laughs> Having lived with a chef before and someone who runs a restaurant, I mean, I know the last thing you want to do when you come home is cook. So You know, sort of... but like – it. so I'm, just, I'm working Monday through Thursday at the kosher restaurant too, so I'm just really not able to cook much. But I, I do miss I, – I would like to cook more if I had the time. I mean, it's it's a whole process, too. And it's harder to do, like, by yourself, you know? Like, why? Mm. When you could just go order something real quick. Like, I make it sort of a ritual, you know? Like, Friday night is always steak night. Uh, Sunday, I made a homemade pasta with, like, a spicy vodka sauce, a homemade cavatelli. And, like, get the whole family involved. Like, my kids are helping roll out the pasta and, and do all of that stuff. I'm not doing that shit if I'm by myself and just had to work smorgasbord on Saturday, you know? Yeah, exactly. Let's talk food news. There's a couple yeah, things that big, I want to talk about. Go ahead. Food news. Food review. news. Jingle. Jingle. It's food news. All right. Food news item number one. Go ahead, Mike. Pete Wells fucking hates 11 Madison Park. But he loves Mikey <laughs> Pomodoro. <laughs> okay. I, I have to say that was the... Um, that was the best um, This Sucks review with it, with also giving the caveat that I'm not giving out stars anymore and this and I can't say that anything that sucks. Um, but yeah, why don't you take, take us through it? So when I heard EMP was switching to vegan, uh-huh. I was like, okay, that's crazy that they're going to like just charge less money for their food. Right. And then, then they didn't do that. They kept the price the exact same. And Three, like, $335 per person. Yep. Uh, gratuity included, though, right? Yeah. Yes, gratuity included. You can only book tables for two and above. You can't go eat there by yourself for $335. Yeah. Um, so I, I already knew that there were going to be issues serving, paying three, charging $330 for vegan food. Um, I didn't think the food would be bad, though. And he did the same thing with... Um, you're talking when he did when he did per se the per se per se review? yeah per se yeah. so he said the soup of per se looked like bong water yeah he said he said something at EMP that smelled like like an old roach or something like that like <laughs> the way that he sort of put it was that there are some things that were definitely good but there are also some things that are just ridiculously overthought. And it was like the process of like, oh, we're going to roast it, then dehydrate it, then resuscitate it and rehydrate it with water or with some special sort of liquid. And then we're going to do this and that. And then like put, you know, use tweezers to put edible flowers all over the plate and put it out there. And what I got from this was like, you're you're not really getting the the flavor that it that is intended. And I don't understand that. Like, why not? Why do that to a beat? Like why? Like a beet is good if you just roast it and toss it in salt. Like why do you have to do all of that? It, it, just in just to be experimental. Just I don't know. I, it's it's definitely not for me, and not because uh, you know not because I don't want to have a vegan meal. Like 
my this whole has issue, nothing to do with being vegan. No, vegan it has to. Them. Yeah, it has to do with the yeah. pompousness of of that uh-huh. of putting that place out there. I mean, my whole issue with Eleven Madison Park and why I will never eat there for a vegan menu is that there are so many other better vegan restaurants hey, out the, there. The caveat, the real like um, cherry on top, was that you could still book out EMP and eat steak. I know the secret meat room. <laughs> that was a revelation to everybody. I don't think anybody realized it. That yeah. I think it's just until the no end one of the is year. No looking at EMP to book it out. Yeah, <laughs> you could still have. You could book the secret meat room in the back where they'll serve you know steak dinners. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like there's such a lack of integrity. Yeah, I, it's, it, it, I don't like, know what it is, and it's and like that's. To like go to our next point, like that's kind of how I felt about fine dining for a very long time. Well, and that's... That there's a lack of integrity, mm-hmm. and, and it's just about getting people in to pay money. You know, like the in um, billions when they're at Sushi Nakazawa. Yep. Like that. Like people just want to be. It's not that Sushi Nakazawa doesn't have integrity. That these uh, that people you, just want to go and just yeah. spend money because they're supposed to be there. So they catered to that clientele instead of putting out the best thing that they could possibly put out. Well, I mean, that's the best wags scene in Billions was when he yeah. like when he just puts the smackdown on a bunch of like hedge fund bros that are going in and, you know, not respecting the art of the uh, of the sushi, you know, and they're just there because of their expense accounts or just there to mm-hmm. show that they can pay for something like this instead of going in and respecting the experience where. I think what you're saying is a lot of these restaurants you feel are moving more to cater to those. Yes, so instead exactly, of having, that's what I'm saying exactly. Yeah. So instead of like creating that experience because of people that mm-hmm. love food, they're creating an experience for people who are going to go like, and blow their paychecks or yeah, not even blink I mean, when they spend $335. I've seen it a million times when, as a server in the city. Right. Right. Well, I think that that like brings me onto my food news article, which I... I love um, Adam Platt. He writes for New York Magazine, and he, he's he wrote an article that's coming out in the October 11th, I think it is, edition of New York, called "Who Wants Caviar at a Time Like This," and it's fine dining confronts a perilous new threat: irrelevance. And it's a great article about sort of what food writers and food culture people have been talking about for a while that like these fine dining places are getting more and more ridiculous. Um, And now it's, is it even the time and the place to have these types of things? And he, he points to three different places. So he, he definitely points to 11 Madison park. And this whole article starts with him trying to find a friend to go and help him to go with him because he has to go review in the 11 Madison Park. So complete expense, you know, his, his publication is going to pay for their meal and everything like that. And he's like, I couldn't get anybody to go. People are like, nah, you know, not not into it. Don't care. And he's like, it's not really about the the vegan side of it. It's about like, why? Like, is this even like a good thing to be doing right now? Like, it's sort of played out. It's like, I don't know. It's they're all the same. There's nothing different. And he talks about 11 Madison Park. He talks about um, what's the new Balloud place? La yeah, which, you know, is another white tablecloth, fine dining, hot cuisine. And he talks about um, Carne Mare, which is Andrew Carmelini's new place, mm-hmm. which I have been you to. Went to. Yeah. I have been to and I love and I think the food is delicious. But I mean, he, he points to it as uh, like 
is it really necessary right now? And well, do you think <laughs> it's ever been necessary to serve pasta for forty dollars? Um, no. No, 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 no. But no, like, never, never but in people... the history of pasta or money. Right, right, right. But but that's that's a different thing. Like, I feel like that's you you you're taking something that is a food of the people, right? And you're trying to elevate it as much as you possibly can. Kanemari is is a steakhouse. You know, mm-hmm. like, and they're trying to make it a, you know, and in his article, he calls it a big dick energy or someone he knows calls it a big dick energy steakhouse. And it's like, no one wants to eat this kind of big dick energy food anymore. That's what the quote is. Um, and it's, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's something that there's a shift. There has always, there has been a shift that's been happening for years towards people would rather go get you know, Michelin star tacos and hamburgers, then go and sit in, a, you know, a big mm-hmm. fancy restaurant like this. And so like hot cuisine was sort of going on a downslope and then COVID happened. And, you know, there's this just tidal wave of all of these issues with COVID of, from labor and everything like that. And, you know, now that COVID is starting to, the wave is starting to recede a little bit, like, is there a place for fine dining anymore? And I mean, I, honestly, fine dining always has been a place where they charge two, three hundred dollars a plate, or what you know, whatever two, three hundred dollars was at that time, mm-hmm. and paid their staff pennies. Yeah. So, like, whatever. Say la vie. So there's there's that right. There's like the social issues of, of going to dine in a place like that, but also like, I I find it boring. You know, like I've talked to so many vegan chefs and they're like, um, like fine dining is, is just boring because it's you get, you know, you got your oysters, you got your caviar, you've got your, you know, your sort of small plates and then you're going to have like a steak or a lamb or like a big hunk mm-hmm. of meat. Right. And and this is like not talking about 11 Madison Park, but talking about like vegan chefs have to be a little bit more creative and what that made me think of is how many of these fine dining places have I gone to where it's like, yeah, that's exactly it. Now, well, I think. Sorry, go ahead. When I when I went to Goggin, I was really impressed because it was like 20 something courses and there was no beef course. Yeah. And yeah. I thought the balls to do uh, a tasting menu like that and not to put any beef on was very impressive. And then he served me the best piece of seafood I've ever had, this tandoori prawn. Um. And that was probably the last multi-course dinner I had where I was like, oh, wow, this is, like, incredible. Like, I'll do, like, an omakase or something, but I feel like those are very different than a a fine dining tasting menu. Now, I will say that the steak that I had at Karnemari was the best bite of steak that I have ever had in my life. I would never be able to finish a whole serving of it like they serve there. But I had one or two slices of it. Was it? It, it was, was for the, two people. I know. No, I don't know. We group. we just went with a large group and we ordered, you know, steak for the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and this is their their. Um, I think it's American Wagyu um, that has been aged. So it's dry aged and then aged in gorgonzola, and it is it it causes it to like be super dry aged and it gives it like a funky taste. So it doesn't taste like cheese, but it it has this like funky taste to it. So anyway, I don't think that 
I, I, I think that like our restaurants is, is hot cuisine the right place right now or like who wants caviar at a time like this, like the article says. I don't think that's a like I'm not knocking that the, the quality of these restaurants, the quality is is phenomenal. Yeah. Like like that steak that I had, like I said, is, is the greatest bite of steak that I've that I've ever had. And it was delicious. I think it's more of a, you know, is that is that something that is going to be a sustainable business model, you know, in the immediate future? Um, and I don't know. So, Mike. I had an idea for um, a new segment, which I thought was pretty interesting. I'm just going to ask you questions. I think we, we can call this questions, or we'll call it four questions, or we'll call it ask a not a foodie. I don't know. I, I think it should be just questions. Because four questions is for Passover. I, I don't know. What, uh, oh, is that, are there only four questions? I know. Why is this night different than, than others? Every other I'm, night, yeah. Yeah. There's four That's of them. One of the questions. Yeah, I, did, I didn't know that there were four of them. I'm sorry. Yeah. So four four questions is out. Let's just call it questions. And I think that the premise behind this is I'm gonna ask two questions, and I want you to ask two questions, and I think right. we just sort of talk about them. So cool. do you want to go first, or, or do you no? Want you to go, go first because it's your segment. All right. Um, let's see. What is your favorite type and flavor of snack chip? Uh, okay. Um, the pepperoncini ones. Pepperoncini. What? What Pepperoncini. is that? Uh, actually, uh, I threw them out. Um, I forgot the brand name. It's not. It's like one of the more indie ones, but straight okay. up, they taste like pepperoncinis. They have a little bit of heat, and I love them. I, what? Like, like, are what are they like? Are they like corn chips, chips or they're potato chips? Yeah. Oh, okay. With like a pepperoncini like Flavor. dusting yeah. or whatever. So wait, wait, so it's so it's like spicy and vinegary. Yeah, they're kill. It's kettle brand potato chips oh okay cool yeah cool. I, I, i'm gonna have to look that up there i mean a must cop an absolute 11 out of 10 like must must cop i didn't even have to think to give you the answer i know that's great well that's that's how these questions are designed and that's good i learned something that's awesome because like my answer is is ghetto old school i mean i'm a cool ranch doritos guy like that is, I can I can house bags of those like there's MSG. no tomorrow. Shout out MSG. <laughs> that's it, Madison Square Garden. That's it. <laughs> Monosodium glutamate makes makes everything good. Cool. All right, you go. Give me what, a question. What's your favorite Roman pasta? You can only pick one. If I can only pick one. Oh man. Ah. Uh, I'm gonna be boring and say carbonara. Carbonara is the right answer. I don't think there's anything boring about that. My list I mean, is carbonara, cacio e pepe, amatriciana, grecia. Yeah, I mean, I like a, a good amatriciana just because I feel like it's a little bit more healthy. Um, but carbonara is like for me, it's that's the king. That's yeah, the, the king, king and queen, and all of the monarchs of the Roman pastas. In, in my opinion, do you agree? Yeah, no, carbonara is number one. Absolutely, I want to get carbonara stuff tattooed on my other arm. All right, my second question. Give me an unexpected delightful food experience could be like anything just something where you're like what's that grilled fennel ah i love that i love that grilled fennel like tossed with a little bit of orange that's that's awesome or or a balsamic reduction or something on top yeah yeah grilled fennel is uh, fennel and orange is like classic grilled fennel and and orange is classic. but yeah that's that's a good one that's like really brings out like the uh the sweetness 
of yeah. the fennel. Awesome. Again, I'm going for mine. I'm going very lowbrow, um, old school. I think a, an unexpected, delightful food experience is when I reach into a bag of fries and there's an onion ring in there. <laughs> there's like a lone onion ring. That is, I, I always get like, oh, it's a bonus onion ring out of my fries from Roy Rogers or wherever. <laughs> All right. Give me another question. All right. What's the first food that comes to mind when you say comfort food? Chicken parm. And I'm not saying that to pander. I'm nice. not saying that, that to pander to, to you, but it's, it's very easy. And it's something that I don't make. It's something that my wife makes. And if I have had like, a really shitty week or a shitty day or shitty year. <laughs> it's just, it's co it, it, it's, it's just chicken parm, chicken parm, chicken parm on a hero, chicken parm on a plate with a side of just spaghetti or something. Chicken parm, chicken parm, chicken parm all day. What about you? French fries. French fries. I knew that about you. And then my other answer, but it's not so much like comfort food as it is like, uh, like a ritual or whatever is when you're making a Sunday sauce, uh-huh. um, a white meatball hero. So like just meatballs with ricotta and par- uh, pecorino and some like parsley. Oh man, that, so that, that is without the fanciness, without putting the, the ricotta yeah. or the parsley or anything like mm-hmm. that, that is a, a Sunday or I should say that's like a Saturday, like, like brings me back childhood memories yeah. because I would go to my Nana's house and she'd always be like frying up meatballs, and mm-hmm. I always made sure that I got there before she put them in the sauce, so I could eat a couple like that. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Cool. Should we keep going with more questions? That was quick. That was too quick. Let's go. I'm gonna right, give you one more. Yeah. All right. I'll give you one more. Best way to prepare breakfast eggs. Uh, sunny side up because I like dippy eggs. So like. Sunny side up with toast. Toast, yeah. I like to just dip buttered toast into egg. Oh, do you know this about me? I hate cooking breakfast. I love people cooking breakfast for me. I did not know that about you. That that's like, yeah, during like peak quarantine, I my I was like, I can't wait to go to a diner and just have somebody else cook me breakfast. How, so so take me through your like perfect fried egg. It's just a sunny side up egg, and I take the whole wheat toast, not whole wheat, uh, rye toast, and I dip dip it in and it goes everywhere and i have yep. yolk on the on the bread it's very simple i'm a, I'm a man of simple needs <laughs> well i mean i i'm asking you to, to expand on it because my answer is a perfectly fried sunny side up egg yeah um which i make you, like you and you know, i a few have, times a week we we don't um we seem to agree on eggs we both think momofuku has the best egg <laughs> i haven't been to there there in a long time but yeah i think my eggs are better than theirs now but, but I feel like, so for me, it's a perfectly, I got to fry it in butter. I got to fry it until the edges are really crispy. So I, I turn the heat up a lot, um, melt the butter, put the egg in, and then turn the heat almost down to like nothing because you want the edges, not not nothing, but like a medium low because you want the edges to crisp up, but you don't want the yolk to get runny. So you got to make sure that you're constantly like battling that, you know, finding that perfect medium, right? And then rye toast, again, buttered rye toast. Um, And then what I do is most of the time I'll just, you know, simple salt and pepper on it. But what I've been doing a lot of is 
I have this gigantic batch of everything seasoning that I mm-hmm. made from, and it's not like the Trader Joe's everything but the bagel seasoning. It's from State Bird Provisions, their cookbook, which is a restaurant in California. They have the like the best everything seasoning. It has like honey pollen or something in it, right? It has it's like got a- no, it's it's so it's toasted fennel is what really gives it its like distinct flavor. Like they get rid of the garlic and they add toasted fennel to it and. I don't know why it is like big day it is for a, fennel on the pod. Yeah, big seriously, day. right? It's fennel day, um, but it is. It shouldn't work, but it does, and it makes it just awesome. And I, I keep a like a mason jar filled next to my stove with that stuff, and just sprinkle it on my fried eggs in the morning. Nice. I also sprinkle it on avocados and and everything else. So, cool. All right, All right. do you, I, do we yeah. have one more question? I got one more. All right, let's Kay. do it. Garlic is the number one allium. What's the number mm-hmm. two? So I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say scallions. And this is why I'm gonna say scallions. Scallions are versatile, right? Like you can I, I always have scallions in the garden. I could run out, I could chop them up and put them on anything, and it instantly improves it. But if you've got big scallions, you can roast them. If you've got scallions and you want to make like a compound butter for a steak i highly recommend just charring a bunch of scallions and then chopping them up and putting them in butter and you get this like oniony charred salty butter that goes perfectly on steaks i'm gonna say scallions scallions are are my answer nice what about you i really so number two i would say shallots just because i think they're like the best thing to cook with but i really love leeks and I think leeks are very underutilized, and you can prep them in a lot of different ways, and they're always delicious. I have to send you an awesome roasted leeks recipe. I was going to say leeks, right? It's actually not even roasted leeks. They're leeks that you basically braise in a pan until all the water is evaporated, and then you add a little fat to it, and it just caramelizes them. So it turns them into like, like leek pudding. And it takes it takes a long time to do. It's not like a quick little thing. It takes you know maybe an hour and for know. vegetables. Have yeah, you cooking met vegetables. my Instapot? No, but you're not going to get the same thing. You're not going to mm. get the caramelization. Yeah, you got to do it this way. So you basically what you do is you braise it in chicken stock until the chicken stock like all evaporates, and there it's delicious. I'll send you a recipe. Yeah. Cool. All right. That was good. That was a good first time at a new segment. We haven't introduced a new segment in a lot of episodes yeah no it's been a long time probably since we did the radio show i don't know i don't know we didn't really well. do new segments but that was good all right mike it's put put yourself in this mindset it's a it's a long day you just sold a thousand chicky parm sliders at, at smorgasburg and you're coming home and you want to have a drink so what are you drinking this week a naked and famous. Oh, I know the name, and I've had it many times. I had it a, I had a great one at a bar in San Francisco. Go ahead. It's um, sorry, it, it's a mezcal, mm-hmm. a little bit of char- yellow chartreuse, mm-hmm. and it says this recipe said red orange liqueur, which I guess means uh, aperol, and they just don't want to say aperol. <laughs> Are you looking at like you know a, a Di- what is that called like Difford's uh, Guide? Yeah, I don't even know what that is. And I'm allowed to talk about brand names like Creative Commons Spirit Guide. <laughs> yeah, I, and uh, a little bit of uh, lime juice. So you got you got 
uh, mezcal, aperol, yellow chartreuse, and lime juice. And this was one of the other things that I missed a lot uh, during quarantine. Was like, I don't want to care. I don't want yellow chartreuse in my bar, like my home bar. I don't need yellow chartreuse. I'd rather just right. go and like pay someone to make me a yellow chartreuse cocktail. I mean, a, a bottle of chartreuse, a bottle of yellow chartreuse is probably like $60, $70 too. It's oh, I know. Like, it's crazy. So I'd rather like, I, I don't need to drink 25 naked and famouses. I need one. Right. Right. No, I hear you. I hear you. All right. Well, my drink this week um, is a black Manhattan and I might've done this before. But this is something I had the other night. Uh, I feel like as the weather is turning to fall weather, I'm, I'm doing a little bit more of the brown liquids. So a black Manhattan is just like a regular Manhattan. It's rye whiskey. Um, but instead of using any of the other stuff, you use um, Averna. Or, so I've, I've had it with Averna before, and I've also had it with Amaro Lucano. It's an Amaro um, Manhattan. It's an Amaro Manhattan. And you use some some bitters, um, some orange bitters, some Angostura bitters dashed in there, and then uh, shake it up and serve it in a coupe glass, and that's it. That's it. Put a brandy cherry in there if you got it, or if you don't, go get a maraschino cherry from <laughs> from what it, from your local grocery store that tastes like wax. Um, but it's it. I mean, it's it's a great riff on a Manhattan, and it gives it a little bit more depth, and. And that's that's my drink. Good one. Yeah. All right, Mike. Oh, you know what? what? I didn't mention on this podcast. Now oh. that we're, we're closing closing it all out, I am in. I am knee deep in prep for Paella Fest twenty twenty one. Oh. Um, oh man, doing, this is the yeah. best news I've heard. <laughs> so, um, unfortunately, you're going to be cooking chicken parm sliders, chicky parm it's sliders. On Saturday. Well, it's in on October? Saturday. It, yep, always on a Saturday in October. We're doing it this weekend, Columbus That's Day weekend. Bullshit. I know. Sorry, dude. <laughs> it happens. It, it, it's how it is every year. Last year we skipped it, obviously, for obvious reasons, I should say. But yeah, so I'm nice. in the middle of uh, prepping to cook a giant paella over a campfire for for like 30 people. So wait, um, doesn't your neighbor also do pa- have a giant paella now? I found this out at our like at one of our like little local. Uh, block association meetings that the, one of the guys that lives down the block from me out on the North Fork also has a giant paella pan. Mine is bigger, though, because size matters when it comes to cooking paella. Are you inviting him? No. no, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't okay. want him to see my paella. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, um, I am Tom Miali, T-M-I-A-L-E on Twitter. Reach out to us. Give us your opinions on favorite types of snack chips and eggs and all of that other stuff. Um, Mike, go ahead. Yeah. uh, On Instagram, it's Mikey Pomodoro. On Twitter, it's Chicken Parm Poppy. Uh, But if you search Mikey Pomodoro on Twitter, you'll probably find it too. All right. Well, that's it. We'll talk to you all soon. Bye. Bye.